0: This is episode 65
1: with Jake Heilbronn. This is Crowdfunding Uncut, the place where creators and entrepreneurs come to learn how to launch a successful crowdfunding campaign. Here's your host, Kirsten Ross.
0: Hello, guys. Welcome to another episode of Crowdfunding Uncut. I'm Kirsten Ross, and um, I, you know how my last episode, I kind of said I was really bad at securing guests uh, when I am away because I get a little distracted from traveling and staying on top of my other work. Um, I actually found this one. It was a nice coincidence. Last night, we we're in San Diego and um, I arranged a networking dinner super last minute and we went to a vegan place here called Cafe Gratitude and Jake Heilbrunn was actually sitting across the table from me telling me how he had written a book successfully funded on Kickstarter and received celebrity endorsements from not only Chris Gillibo, but Jack Canfield as well. And I thought that I'd grab him uh, for an interview today just to talk about it, because we don't really have a lot of authors that come on the show, especially to talk about um some unconventional strategies that Jake has used to build up his um like his book and it's it's a really amazing journey, and I just wanted him to come on the show and kind of like have a conversation around what got him to write a book called Off the Beaten Trail and he's uh, you're going off to a book signing soon, aren't you in Encinitas?
1: Yes, I am, and thank you for that nice intro. <laughs> you're
0: welcome. Um, so yeah, I am just so excited to get into this. So like, can you tell me a little bit more about what Off the Beaten Trail is about?
1: Yeah, so if any of your listeners have ever heard of like Wild by Cheryl Strait or like Eat Pray Love or Into the Wild, It's kind of like the modern young dude version with a happy ending, I like to say. So I started uh, my freshman year of university about two years ago. Really excited. You know, praise is the best four years of your life. And then I arrived and a couple days after I broke out in hives and rashes like all over my body. And I didn't know why. And unfortunately, almost every day for the semester, I had them. Yeah. So I saw a couple doctors. You know, had all the tests and whatnot, and they diagnosed me with chronic urticaria, which is like a fancy name for saying your skin's freaking out and we don't know why. Um, so, I I kind of fell into uh, a depression and was like kind of questioning everything in my life. Like, I was really confused, didn't know what was going on, but the blessing was that I started to question my path and I realized like I had no passion to be in school, even though I was doing well. Um, and I, I wanted to travel, that was just what I wanted to do. So, I, I left the second semester. um, I did some research. I found an opportunity to teach English and Spanish in Guatemala. So I packed a backpack. I booked a one-way flight. and I didn't really know any Spanish other than hola and gracias. And uh, I made my way to Guatemala and spent four months backpacking throughout Central America, just doing everything that I was curious about from teaching English to building eco lodges on the beach to living in a spiritual community in Nicaragua to all these fun, fun, different things. And the journey completely changed my life, and I knew that I wanted to write a book about it, and um, the Kickstarter played a key role in that process.
0: And how long did you travel for?
1: I was gone for about four months. Wow.
0: Okay. That's awesome. What I can't get over, though, is when I was like reading your page, um, you did this without a cell phone?
1: Yeah. So um, the night... <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I, I was kind of... Like, my generation... So I'm 20... And my generation and the generation under me, like we grew up essentially with social media. It came along when I was like kind of just entering high school, but I was kind of using it in like an unhealthy manner. Um, I Like I remember where the school I was at, like I posted some picture and everyone was like, oh my God, like you seem so happy. And, and I it really like bothered me because I, I was miserable, but I was like kind of projecting my life as something else. And I was like, "Ah, oh, I'm like lying to myself. I just need to get away from the social media. I need to live in the moment, and so I just didn't want to bring a phone. and And it turned out to be probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life.
0: Like the most uncomfortable, because I find that because you're, I'm almost thirty in three weeks. Little midlife <laughs> crisis here, but like, even for me and people my age, like I get anxiety thinking about leaving my phone at home even for dinner. Like it's really sad how attached we are to those sorts of things. And it's really like, it's cool how even you've recognized how you post, how glamorous your life is online, but it's really not that great. Like it's, it's kind of sad when you think about it because I, I know our mutual friend, Jay, like he would be posting photos of him in Italy and some, you know, a couple of his friends would say, wow, you must be a millionaire because you're in Italy on a beach. Um, and able to work from anywhere in the world. Like it's, it's kind of sad, the image that we put out there into the world.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because I, I, I use social media all the time now because I'm trying to get this message out to the world and you know, it's, it's definitely just about using it like consciously. Um, you know, I love social media because it's like connects so many people. For example, last night, I probably wouldn't have met you if it wasn't for Jay posting on social media and us connecting there. So I think it's just like what you said, just recognizing that it doesn't show everything. And I think that's just like, I wasn't on that level or I wasn't using it consciously.
0: So now that you've been able to get rid of a phone for four months, like, do you have any new habits around exactly how you're using social media? Like, are you showing, are you trying to be more real and authentic on what you portray or how has it changed how you practice?
1: yeah absolutely so for example especially writing the book um and so that was like three and a half months of just every morning writing i wouldn't even check my i would wake up at like six i had my whole morning routine i wouldn't check my phone till like 10 30, 11 until i was like done writing um so i feel like uh you know an hour before i go to bed an hour at least now an hour after i wake up i really try not use my phone not necessarily just social media but phone in general And then from a social media standpoint, I forget, what was your question exactly?
0: (laughs) Just like how getting rid of your phone has changed your perspective of how you're using social now.
1: Yeah. And to answer your second question, I do try and be much more real and vulnerable, um, even in my book. like, So this newspaper, I, I pitched a reporter actually for my book launch, the biggest one in San Diego, and she read it and she what the endorsement for that one is she says it's a brutally raw memoir and i really just believe in opening up and sharing kind of like the lows that i went through because i feel like that's the only way you can really connect to people and i feel like part of my message and story is giving other people who are going through a rough time just the acknowledgement to know that like just because everyone else's social media picture might be them like partying or like with ice cream and like a smile or whatever, like doesn't mean that they're not human and also have troubles. They're just not showing it. So I try and like, you know, make that open on a lot of my posts.
0: Yeah. It makes you uh, approachable and human.
1: Yeah, exactly. And people really connect with that and like people appreciate it. And of course it's not for everyone. Like a, like a lot of my Friends who I had prior to the trip, or when I post now, they're like, "Who is this guy? Like trying to do all these vulnerable, like motivational posts." But it's it's funny, you know. It's it's for the people who need it. That's what I like to say.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like okay. So I have a very active Facebook feed, as we all do, and there are two kinds of posts that I see from entrepreneurs now. They're either the like, "Look, I'm killing it. Here's this great thing I did," or it's the like, "I've had a really bad day. I'm opening up to my vulnerabilities," and it's really nice to see like part of it's like okay sob story but the other half is like no it's really great for you to show what you're going through because it, it if I see, if I'm feeling a certain way inside and I just think I'm a freak because I have to be the only one who like why can't I work 80 hours a week and not be creative all the time and it's not until I see like someone else posting about their struggles that I really feel like okay about certain defects, or not even a defect, but like,
1: it, just, yeah. it opens no, up a totally platform do. for
0: conversation, right?
1: Yeah, and like being an entrepreneur on that journey, like, there, it's a roller coaster. Like, literally, one day you're on your highest high, the next day, you're like, oh my God, where did this momentum go? Like, what just happened? So, just being around people who acknowledge both of those, you know, it can be, it's nice and refreshing to know, okay, not just me. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, okay, this is the human thing. Yeah. So I'm curious then, like, I, I'm going to read your book. I have not read your book. Is it like written as a journal or is it written as a journey told from someone else? Like what is the format like?
1: Yeah. So it's written as a memoir and the, it's funny. I read wild and Eve pray love based on, uh, I had a writer who was reading my book, um, kind of giving me some initial edits and feedback. And she was like, you need to read these two books. And I was like, okay. Like I thought they were kind of chick flicks, um, which they're not. Well, I guess you could say eat, pray, love a little bit, but I mean, they're both written like brutally honest and like, you know, they've touched millions of people. So, um, and I felt like, wow, this is actually a lot like how I wrote my book. So yeah, it's written in like a memoir style. I'm just essentially sharing with the reader, my journey and like the thoughts I'm having. And, uh, yeah, so that's why I say like the young dude version of, of wild and eat, pray, love.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So now I'm curious. Why did you decide to kickstart this as opposed to trying to self-publish it or even going the publisher route?
1: Yeah. So I think it's important to uh, understand like where the publishing world is today. And I did a lot of research. And even if I had like this dream deal from like Penguin Random House or something, like. I'm I when I started a year ago, I had no like I didn't even have a Facebook page like I had no no platform to start with. So even if I did like, who was gonna find out about it? There's not a marketing team there that's gonna really drive your book like the way those big houses work. It's like they drive the couple books that do really well for them. They don't really care about the rest from a marketing standpoint. So I understood that marketing was gonna be in my hands. And I was like, well, self publishing is totally acceptable today, and you can go through the means you know if you. Do a good job and hire a professional editor, and do a good book cover design, and get endorsements for the social proof aspect. Like I knew if I did all those things, like no one would care, and it's true. And I had the idea to kickstart. Actually, um, have you ever heard of Jedediah Jenkins?
0: I have not. Who is that?
1: Um. So he he hasn't even published his book yet, but he biked from Oregon to Patagonia in uh, Latin America. Yeah, and he. He basically is gonna is writing a book on it, but I watched this incredible video. He did a Kickstarter campaign to help him kind of fund the trip when he was like halfway through because he was like mm-hmm. out of money, and I remember thinking like, oh my god, I got to do this for my book. And this was about a year ago from right now, so I probably saw it in September of twenty fifteen, and then I started brainstorming. And I had a friend. Uh, I still have a. He's still my friend, but he was a he was a senior in the Chapman Film School, okay. like incredible filmer, and. I hit him up and I was like, hey, so, you know, I'm writing a book. And we had talked before, like, he knew everything I was up to. I'm like, what are you, would you want to help me make a, a, kick, a video for this a Kickstarter campaign? Because mm-hmm. I, I need, you know, money. I mean, for example, the editing cost for my book was going to be roughly 3000 bucks because $0.03 cents per word was this professional editor and my book was 100,000 words. <laughs> like, I had to trim it down, but that was the, you know, what I started with. So yeah, I knew that I needed some help here and I knew that that video, like, I needed a video, and that was what was so compelling about this guy, Jedediah Jenkins' video. If anyone is, um, wants to search, it's called from, I think it's from Oregon to Patagonia, but if you just type in Jedediah Jenkins, like, you'll find it, and he, he, I didn't even know it at the time, he is, like, friends with, like, some very famous people, so I, I, he shot past his goal, which doesn't surprise me, too, because he also, his video is, like, unreal like in Peru and all these places and of course I had to like pretend I was in Guatemala
0: (laughs) I'm gonna link to that in the show notes by the way and also look it up um it's just like it's funny I I feel like oh I'm impressive for training for an Ironman but then I meet people like that and you and it's just so inspiring like I was in London two months ago and I walked out of Covent Garden, no, Leicester Square Station, like one of the busiest hubs of London, and there's a lot of street buskers, but then there was this guy in spandex and a rowboat and a big map on the ground, and his name's Tomo. I was like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> and this big sign says, like, help Tomo row the Indian Ocean. And it goes into, like, how he's going to be rowing the Indian Ocean in 2017, and he's fundraising for it. Um, And he goes into like all the other amazing things he's done. And I was like, I can't not support this. This is incredible. And then I have a friend currently in Europe who's biking 4,500 kilometers to raise money for multiple sclerosis. Wow. Just, uh, so I just love hearing about these inspiring things that people are doing.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think on that point, because you said out, you wanted to donate, I felt like, a story that shows the triumph of like human spirit, a lot of it's like, you know, doing something out of your comfort zone or doing like people, people want to support that because it's like, especially when maybe you're going through a rough time or you're just in this mundane lifestyle to see someone else like mixing it up and pursuing, you know, their dream or going for this challenge, like, wow, like that's so empowering. And then you start to question your own life. So I think like being able to see that people, it's just a, I knew that there. I knew that like my story, I could frame it in a way where people would want to support it and see that. And I think that's an important aspect when you are like putting together a campaign is to show, you know, whatever your story is, but like every video, kind of like making it, you know, the hero's journey in many ways, which I didn't even know was a thing until this guy read my book. Another, I had a psychologist help me with some edits. And he was like, you know, your book is the hero's journey. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> and so he explains, you know the guy who, who gets in some internal conflict or, you know, has a hardship and then he overcomes it and gets help by all these people and has all these experiences and then comes home like trying to help other people. So that's like, oh yeah, that's like a 10 second sum of the hero's journey.
0: That's like what I aspire to when I podcast. Like I'm leading people through a journey by asking specific questions. So where we go into like, what was your biggest failure or your low moment and then how you overcame that? It's kind of hard with a crowdfunding campaign, but it's like, what are some challenges you went into? And then how did you overcome it? Um, Like, because sometimes uh, campaigns don't see major hardships if they are successful until like fulfillment or something after the campaign. Mm -hmm. But it's still like really cool to talk about that. So like, that's what I aspire to. Um, Because you're right, like, I didn't know about that, but that's what, hooks people in because they're like rooting for the main character
1: absolutely yeah
0: before I forget I would like to thank the guys over at BackerKit.com for sponsoring this episode if you are looking for a fulfillment software tool to get rid of the headache that you are going to have after your crowdfunding campaign go to backerkitcom slash uncut they have given us well the crowdfunding uncut listeners an amazing deal 50% off of their setup fee they're great guys. Um, not They're like the leading in the industry. They've not only helped 2,000 project creators but they've helped fulfill more than three and a half million orders which, you know, if I were watching a campaign for my own product I would not hesitate to use them. Um, I have been in the back end with Excel spreadsheets and trying to like take care of customer upsells, fulfillment, Customers changing colors, customers with multiple orders, changing address. It's a nightmare. And their software tool is going to help make sure you can focus on what is most important, which is getting more sales versus having spreadsheet parties on the weekend. Because, my friends, that's not fun. So, again, backbuckit.com slash uncut. There is a link to the show notes there. And uh, thanks again. So is there... Um, besides jedediah like was there anyone you were really like who was your mentor and really looked up to when you were going through this before you even wrote the book
1: yeah so it's funny a guy had a very similar story to mine it was uh my mom was dating this guy and i never even i barely met him like before i went off to school they'd only be dating a couple months but then like i was going through a rough times she's like jake Telling me you have to hear about Joe's son Jake. Like he he's all he's he grew up in same town I or like similar town that I did kind of near in San Diego, and ended up dropping out of college and back in like backpacked around the world and wrote a book about it. And I was like, whoa, like because that was literally exactly what I wanted to do. And like here was this guy who did it. And I remember um, reading his book. It's called Into the Wind. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I gotta do this. And then. Uh, I eventually did have the courage to take the leap. And he was actually one of the reasons that uh, inspired me to start in Guatemala, because he was there. And on the parts I read about in his trip, like really resonated with me. And um, also Latin America was like really interesting uh, of places I was researching, because I wanted to learn Spanish. And I played soccer my whole life. But yeah, so Jake was, uh, Jake Ducey was definitely someone I looked up to. And who, who I've connected with a bunch now that we're, you know, I'm back in San Diego, and he lives pretty close to me.
0: Yeah. Now, before I move into um, actual campaign strategy and what you guys did, because you mentioned you did some unconventional things, which I'm so excited to get into. But if you had to give your book one message, what is the message you're conveying in that
1: we have to have the courage to listen to our inner voice and do what we believe is right because it is in the process of pursuing our dreams and passions where we find fulfillment.
0: Wow. You rehearsed that, didn't you?
1: <laughs> I feel like it's just the essence of it in one sentence.
0: I love it. It's like, well, I have this. Here we go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Pulling it out of my back pocket, I guess.
0: Yeah. So you ended up raising just over 6000 with your campaign which is awesome. Can you tell me a bit about how you, not, okay, this is going to sound really loaded, but how far in advance did you decide to start prepping for your crowdfunding campaign? And like, how did you build awareness? Can you just tell me a bit about the the pre-launch?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my project went live, I think it was March 7th and I started planning it. Like I remember I wrote the script for the video in I think October so that was like actually the very beginning. I wrote the script for the video and we started filming the video in like December and January. But during, I would say probably starting in Jan- er, uh, December, January, I started like planning out the campaign and I did tons of research on other campaigns. I looked at Jedediah Jenkins. I looked at a lot of other book ones. Other ones that were successful and you know it's hard because I looked at a couple that were like you know raised 160 thousand or more and like they had a whole team and I'm just this one guy. like so I knew yeah. I had to be sort of realistic um, about my expectations because I'd never done this before. So I kind of you know did some basic cost like analysis so how much things were gonna cost and I, I realized I was gonna need about six, thousand um, dollars. Of course I could have needed more, but with Kickstarter, you know, if you don't get it too bad, you don't get the money. And, but at the same time, I found that very intriguing because like the, the type of person I am like that would really drive me to make sure I did it. So I spent like a month just getting feedback from friends and people I respected about like the copywriting. Cause you can send them like pre-links to your campaign. Yep. And they like told me, you know, change this around. And I made sure to add lots of pictures, other than my book trailer, I also made another video told, like, why I wrote this book. Um, and then I, you know, I didn't really... Oh, yeah, sorry, you are going to say something? No. Oh, gotcha. And then, yeah, I just... I didn't really have many things to offer from a, a reward standpoint. But I realized that a lot of people, like, didn't even necessarily care about the rewards. And I could explain that because the way that I really shot off my campaign was through Facebook. I think I got, like... 75% of my, my donations were through Facebook. And I really, so what I did is I sent like 500 messages on the day my campaign launched. And I raised half, I raised $3,000 in the first 24 hours. So wow. I, I, I did a Facebook ad with the video. And of course, you know, Facebook boosts it. And I didn't, I don't think I boosted it too much. So I think I only did it like 40 bucks, <laughs> which, oh my God, like I just launched my book and I did 250 and it got like, you know, ended up getting sixty something thousand. But when I first did the Kickstarter campaign, it got like sixteen thousand total. But yeah. I had a lot of shares, and and like when people watch the video, like my friend, for example, told me his stepdad, who I didn't know, watched the video and donated a hundred dollars right on the spot because it just spoke to him. And like you know, I'd never even met him. So that was I was like perfect because I knew the video would be powerful. But yeah, I messaged all these friends and I basically said like, "Hey, person, <laughs> whatever your name is," um, and then I. I literally individually set each person a message because I would say something like personal that only they would know. It's not like a, you know, I'm just copy pasting. Like I literally came up with something for each person and like was trying to be genuine. Like what, I, you know, how is, you know, Vanderbilt or whatever it is. And I said, I just launched this campaign. I don't know, Would you be willing to share it or donate even a dollar? Because someone told me that if someone, if Facebook rewards or Kickstarter, Kickstarter rewards yeah. campaigns with like a lot of backers and i don't even know if that's true it is i was like okay cool so it is true so i was like even a dollar would really help me and of course a lot of people donated much more than a dollar so that was kind of my pitch but i felt like i'm not the i'm not the most comfortable with asking people and so this totally got me out of my comfort zone but i'm like okay if i could ask them for a buck like you know i'm okay with that and so i literally did that to the point where facebook blocked me like five times that day and i actually called someone at facebook and I didn't really get through, but this guy emailed me back on contact on their support because they were banning me. They thought I was a robot, which was, like, really funny because you have to pass those tests sometimes, like click on the flower. And I was passing them, and, they, and then they blocked me. So I,
0: were, yeah. these, were these your friends on Facebook or other people?
1: So these were friends on Facebook, but also people in my um, who liked my Facebook page, which at the time only had, like, 400 likes.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I've been um, like, I've had that message from Facebook, like, you've sent too many messages. I'm like, no.
1: Yeah. And so that was like, I think from 80 um, 20, right? So, like, 20% of effort yielding 80% of the results. I yep. think that Facebook, especially the messaging, was really effective. Um, of course, I, I messaged a bunch of friends and people to ask them to share it, like maybe 10 people who were, I guess you could say, part of my launch team, but not mm-hmm. even that much. Um, I sent out an email and I only have like a hundred people on my email list. So it wasn't like a huge thing. But I also did a couple guest posts, which seemed to be pretty, not majorly effective, but I definitely got a couple. Um, I, I pitched a couple, a lot of people, but I got through, I, I wrote this post for Psychology Today that actually went viral. Well, I guess I, I guess it's hard to say what viral is, but the woman who I wrote for, she's an expert, said that it was like the most that it had ever gone. It had like 5,000 reads in the first couple hours.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And it just took off. I mean, it, the title was The Disturbing Truth About Anxiety and Depression in College. Yes. So it was like a very provocative title. Um, and I had a couple people donate from there and work away the site that I used to travel. They did a feature on me and like shared it to their group of 150,000 people. So I, I tried everything. I really planned for like, probably three, four months, like up to that launch day to the point where I was like, I'm going to launch in January. Oh, I have to push it back to February. Oh, okay. March, like no later than March 7th. So I definitely underestimated. Yeah. I'm sure you're every
0: launch, like push off
1: (laughs) at least a month. Yeah. So I pushed it back like two months. Um, but you know, you learn, you better learn.
0: I have so many questions, but okay, let's start here. I love freaking love how you use guest posts to help spread your message. Um, I think a lot of people get hung up when they don't have, th- they feel like they don't have that much to talk about or they don't know what to talk about. So why, bot- how can you write something that's similar to your campaign on someone else's platform and have it be relevant so that people would buy it? Like, I think it guest posting is so undervalued.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing that guest posting does, like, for example, now, and, like, I didn't even think about this at the time, but, like, I've been, so now for my actual book launch, which the Kickstarter was, like, a great, ex, you know, almost beta of, like, what it's like to launch a book in many ways. I Now I say, oh, I, and I had this article that, you know, in Psychology Today, I would have never had that. So it's not just that, but it's also in a long term, like, you're going to have the credibility and social proof, which can be effective down the line. And I think, like you said, if you just hit on pain points, so everyone has pain points, like we're humans. And if you can hit on one of them or, you know, something in awe or like fixing a need, whatever your product or, you know, if it's a book, whatever it is, like just figuring out one of the the things that hits people on an emotional level and write about that. And I think that's kind of what my focus was, especially on mental health. And that got me not only um, that not only got me writing, but it ended up getting me a speaking engagement, too. So that was pretty cool.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Because like your book, it's not about funding another book to read. It's like you are speaking to something that every corporate person who hates their job, anyone who doesn't feel fulfilled, anyone who's miserable, like you are speaking to that as their hero.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and trying to reach young people to like consciously create their lives so they don't end up somewhere 10 years and hate their life. Oh, <laughs> that was a big one for me.
0: I'm curious. So did you have an audience or an email list before you went into it? Or did you just kind of wing it and surprise people when you launched?
1: Um, so I had been like, so Facebook, I told you, was kind of my main avenue. And I was doing, I did like a bunch of photos, like two weeks to launch, 10 days to launch, like seven, six, five, four. So I definitely like when, when it launched, people were not surprised. It didn't, they weren't like, Oh, what's this? Like I made sure they knew it was coming. Um, maybe even overdid it, but I, Oh no, I wouldn't say overdid it. I don't think you can necessarily overdo it because that just means they're like, okay, let's see the damn thing already. But (laughs) like I mentioned, so to my blog of like a hundred subscribers and I write a A blog post every Wednesday so I started mentioning it a little bit here and there and of course the week before I'm like guys it's coming out and then I emailed them on the launch day and those are people who like you know opt into your email so like you you know I know I knew they'd be okay if I emailed them and I also leveraged a couple friends email groups and they they sent out some stuff but so I, I did I did have a lot in place for that day and it it really is the success of a campaign I think and in my campaign, it all honestly happened before in the first day, like getting, I knew that I had to hit the ground running and raising. I mean, I had no idea I was going to raise half the money the first day. That was like people, I had friends who would help me and they're like, I cannot believe you just did that. But like, I woke up at two in the morning and just like started going balls out because I wanted to be like the first thing people saw in the morning and would spread to their friends. So I just like went all out the first day, which, which I don't know, it worked out really really well for me
0: Mm -hmm. but that's what you have to do like creators are like okay so you tell me we need to build up an audience and then we launch like what do we do the first day we send an email like and you're messaging every man woman and child that you are connected with and asking them to donate like it's our pledge like I don't want to say donate because they get something in exchange. But, like, you are, for three days, you are doing nothing but pitching. It's first, like, hey, friends and family, please help support. And then once you get a certain level of funding, you're, like, pitching press that ignored you when you first um, pitched them two weeks ago. You're, like, hey, look, we're successfully funded. Tough right yeah. about us. And it's just, yeah. like, it's funny. Like, it really is 30 days of mayhem because once you raise that, you're, like, I need to keep this going
1: yeah uh, it, it is it's not a fun couple of days but it's worth it and it's there forever so like now and kickstarter has such good seo like if you type my name in kickstarter is coming up bef- like number one before my my website which is funny That's so cool. it really i think kickstarter like and i recognized that before i even did a campaign i'm like like it's really cool because kickstarter is just like this place where you get to display your whole project and it's there forever and I know that can maybe be a little daunting, but you you know you can make edits and stuff, but like it's a place where people can consistently go to see your work and what you've done and created. So, really putting effort into that campaign is important because it's going to be there for a while.
0: So, when you with Kickstarter, you have to submit your project for approval, so it's not guaranteed you can be on the platform. Um when they approve your campaign, are you able to make edits as you go?
1: That's a really good question and my answer is I don't know because I, I don't think I made any changes other than like updates.
0: Okay. So you didn't change any reward packages or?
1: I don't. Oh, you know what? I did change. I did change a, uh, a backer thing. I allowed Hong Kong to donate because uh, the guy who, the founder of Workway wanted to back it, but he's like, I can't because I'm in Hong Kong. I'm like, oh, no. you're the founder of Workway? Like I'll do whatever you want me to do. <laughs> so I opened it up to Hong Kong.
0: That's amazing. Um, So if you could do it over again, would you, because what you did is is self-publishing, would you avoid Kickstarter and go straight to Amazon? Or is there value in doing Kickstarter first?
1: I think there's tremendous value in Kickstarter. And I also, this was something I thought about too, was because it's marketing. And people who bought my book, like knew it was coming from the Kickstarter. So there was sort of a lag time for me from March so the the campaign ended early April it was a 30-day campaign and I didn't publish the book till the end of September so there was a lag time but people knew about it I had my cover image there so from a branding standpoint getting it familiar with people like there's that statistic where people won't buy something till they've seen it six times I don't yep. know the total truth or whatever but I What's knew the that? importance I knew the importance of getting it out there and so people are familiar with it so i think it it's extremely important and especially if you're self-publishing just getting it in the consumer's mind and letting them know what you're doing and i would definitely do it again the only thing i would have planned differently and look it's tough because i was a one man team essentially doing the best i could with what i had mm-hmm. and the 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 only thing i would have changed was was making a stretch goal like i didn't even plan for a stretch goal i think i could have easily pushed past like 8000 had i you know I included all my costs in the, in the general campaign. So in the future I would have left it out mm-hmm. um, and planned for that. But I was so exhausted by the time I raised all the money that I was like, I just don't know. <laughs> like I was just happy to have the 6,000. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I know what that feels like. Um,
1: yeah. I could I, only imagine. Cause you're doing like some much higher campaigns. So I could not imagine.
0: Yeah. But it's, it's not just me. Like I, I do have a team, um, but I just remember like that first... So like I started with crowdfunding because of a failure and then that failure like blew up on the second time. I just remember that one day in that second campaign where we got featured in Newsletter and we raised like 155000 in a day. Oh my God. And like it was me and Adam and people were like the, between the emails. Like it was... Oh my God. It was nuts. Like basically from... 7 a.m. to midnight, we were on inbox, <laughs> like oh my no God. breaks because people are like, I have questions about size, I have questions about color, and of course you need to be responsive so they buy. Um, it was just crazy.
1: Yeah, and it's so gratifying though to see like your hard work paying off too. You know, like yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you're not in the moment you're like feeling that, but like I think looking back because it is stressful and. But it's as stressful as it is, it's worth it in remembering that it is temporary.
0: Exactly, and it's funny because it comes in stages. Like you had a massive burst on that first day, and then you probably like, how was the middle of a campaign for you? Were there points in it where you were a little concerned because you weren't getting sales or as much sales?
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. It really plateaued. Like uh, I so I had I think I had four thousand dollars after the first like three days. The last two thousand dollars, like I didn't, ra- I didn't fully raise the six thousand. Like I knew I was going to get there once I hit four thousand. I was just mm-hmm. really confident. But it, I, it's, it took me like another week and a half. It took me like two weeks to to fully fund it. Um, and so I think that is why the importance. So I don't know if I'm the best person to talk about like another surge because my big thing really was in the beginning and all the research I did. So- you the plateau is inevitable yeah but um you know some people have these minor you know surges halfway through or whatever but for me it was really the big one was uh launching and then the psychology today came out I think maybe five days after I launched it didn't come out the day I launched yeah so that was a nice little boost and that got some great publicity
0: so one of my last questions is you got some pretty major endorsements from not only Chris Gillabo from The Art of Nonconformity. Um, what else has he done? Oh, he's done a ton. Art of Nonconformity, The $100 ha- Startup.
1: The Happiness of Pursuit.
0: Happiness Pursuit, great book. But you also mm-hmm. had Jack Canfield, who is most well-known for Chicken Soup for the Soul and Success Principles. How did you get those guys to – like, first off – how? Um, what did they do with your book? And secondly, how the heck did you get their endorsement?
1: Yeah, so first I made a list of everyone I wanted. And of course, I had to get realistic. Like I wrote, I was super naive when I started this. So I'm like, I'm going to get Richard Branson. Like I'm going to get all these people. And I kind of had to narrow it down a little bit. Like, but at the same time, I was trying to think big. And I, and the thing is, I got my book to also Drew Brees, who's the NFL uh, super Bowl championship and a quarterback of the New Orleans States. He's won a Super Bowl. I got it to the son of John, John Asraf because I had a friend who was friends with his son. Um, and of course, look, I got I actually gave the book to Drew and met him. And he said it was super cool. Never heard back from him. Um, didn't I don't think John ever, ever read the book. But I say that because it's about putting yourself out there. I contacted, you know, via email, tons of people. And So Chris was really funny. I literally sent a generic but, like, sincere pitch to Chris on his freaking email opt-in on his website. What? Yeah, like the most (laughs) basic, like, unsexy way to pitch someone. But I just said, look, like, I've read your blog, Art of Nonconformity. I've read the book. I've read The Happiness Pursuit. You know, I told him what my book is about. I'm like, it would mean the world to me if I could send you a book and if if you dig it, maybe writing an endorsement. And he's like, hey, Jake, I get about 50 endorsement or book review requests a month dot, dot, dot. But in your case, I'll make an exception. Send over the book and I'll see. Um, So I sent him the book. I'm like low-key freaking out. It's a beta version of the book. Uh, Like I had formatted it myself and everything. So it was like not – the content was was there, Um, but it wasn't like – It wasn't pretty. It wasn't perfect. (laughs) But but the one I sent to Chris was good. I'll tell you the Jack one is crazier. But – so I sent it to Chris and then like a week and a half later, I get this email from him with the endorsement and I was like, oh my God. Like I freaked out because – Social proof, like, is important. I was 19, and I'm like, if, like, I I knew I needed someone big for people to take me seriously. Like, I believed in the book and believe in it so much, but, like, social proof is just an important factor. Of course. Um, And then Jack Canfield was funny because I was kind of, like, saying affirmations, like, that I learned from Jack's books. Like, I'm so happy and grateful that Jack Canfield signed my book. And then it's like in February of 2000 or March of 2016, I see this event of Jack coming to L.A. for this like workshop. So I no hesitation buy a ticket. I show up to the event in June. Um, I wait after the eight hour event. I wait another three hours to be the very last person in line with a book, a beta version of my book. And this one doesn't even have a back cover or like a side thing with my name. Like this is really basic. And I'm like nervous. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm about to meet him. I shake his hand and, you know, he's in the book. He has a quote in my book. So he, I, I basically just gave him my 30-second pitch, saying how he had really inspired me. He's like, that's awesome, Jake, but, like, no guarantees. Like, you know, Jack gets asked so many things. I mean, he's one of the busiest people. Like, like, he really is a busy guy. So I was like, okay, like, you know, of course, I'm just happy that I, I did it. And I remember driving home, and I was, like, very, like, exhausted. Um, but I, I was so happy because I went for it. And then I literally didn't hear – Oh, the cool thing is I ended up going to an event of his because I met his team while I was waiting for three hours. So they ended up giving me a, a free ticket to one of his events, which was awesome. But I still never heard anything from him until the day I launched my book. I get an email from him with saying, you know, this is, this is a book every young person should read. It will inspire you, empower you. And I'm like, oh, my God. This Like, like five months after I gave him the book, I got him back. So it really – the wow. lesson, the moral is just putting yourself out there, understanding that, like, you're going to get way more no's than yeses, but, like, think of it as a game, and there's not one white right way. Like, I think if you can meet someone in person, it's going to be much harder for them to turn you down, but, you know, you never know with, like, the Chris Gilbo story. Just an authentic pitch, um, I think, can go a long way.
0: And, like, your book is exactly what Chris is all about. Like, he, yeah. <laughs> he couldn't have found a more perfect guy to to represent like both to
1: endorse you right like exactly and that's actually another good point so i wasn't giving my book to like um tucker max for example like i like tucker but my Maybe book not the right demographic is, you know what i mean it's just totally like a different genre of book so i think it's yeah. of course important to and jack canfield like you know the book's like a soul searching it's got some spiritual elements it's about following your dreams so i knew it would fit with jack's too
0: yeah. I just finished teaching a webinar on influencer marketing and I couldn't shut up about relevancy and how like you have to make like you need to look at influencers like having the same audience as you because you need that relevance to make sure it's a good fit and like you just like, summed it up perfectly. You picked your perfect influencers based on um what why they would be interested in supporting you because their audience is very similar to yours. Exactly. So Oh, that's brilliant. My last uh, question is, do you have, if you ha- could have one piece of advice for yourself, like two years ago, before Kickstarter and everything, because uh, you're so young, like,
1: yeah, <laughs> what would
0: that one piece of advice be?
1: Um, well, it's funny, like, I think reg- from a regret standpoint, I don't have any regrets, because like, you know, I don't believe like I think mistakes can be great because of everything I'm happy where I am today. And so if I was going to change something, I wouldn't be where I am today. But from a piece of advice, um, really, it's just have the courage to do what you believe is right. And like listen to your gut, because um, I think especially when you're young. Well, I think it's all ages, like you feel pressure from expectations of other people and just to have the courage to like do, do me instead of, uh, you know, just following the path.
0: Uh, one of my clients hates it when I say, you do you.
1: <laughs> hates yeah, it. Yeah, it's a little Eesh. bit cliche, cheesy, but like it's important, especially, you know, I'm someone who always followed the rules. Like I'm never, I never, you know, I always got good grades and I just did what I was supposed to do. And there got a point where I was just running out of fuel because it was on someone else's, not my own.
0: Oh, I love that. Um, so great. I'm curious if people want to find out more about you or pick up the book like where is a good spot to send them online
1: yeah well of course um, my kickstarter campaign would be a a great place to check out kind of everything um that has a lot and then my website is just my name jake Heilbrunn, and that's h-e-i-l-b-r-u-n-n and so everything can be there the landing page on my website is the trailer for my book which is the one i use in my kickstarter campaign and then yeah the book's just on amazon it's off the beaten trail a young Man's soul-searching journey through central america
0: Love it. All right. Well, this has been amazing and really inspirational, a little bit different to my usual interview, but um, I really enjoyed it. So thanks for being on the show. Actually, before we wrap it up, I forgot about this Um, because this is being launched at the same time as whatever, just this podcast is going live Uh, at the same time. You have something pretty awesome happening with the book. So can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Yes, so November 2nd and 3rd, I am doing a special where you can get the book, Off the Beaten Trail, for free on Amazon Kindle. This is the first time that it's ever been free and probably uh, the last time. So I would definitely uh, love for your community to be able to read it for free and learn all about it.
0: All right, guys. Well, you heard it. Um, If you are planning your own crowdfunding campaign... Don't forget to check out crowdfundinguncut.com. I have the product launch checklist, which is going to outline all the timelines and advice for when you are actually ready to do your crowdfunding campaign. And a lot of the stuff that Jake and I talked about today are in there for do's and don'ts. So it's a freebie. Go pick it up. And yeah, apart from that, I really love you and appreciate you. If you are liking the show, please do head over to iTunes. I've put a link to the show notes Uh, I mean, link to iTunes in the show notes. So be sure to head over and give us a nice review. And until next time, thanks a lot. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step through the process of launching and scaling your product brand. Brands like The Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launchpad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launchpad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.